you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Just lost to the guy who auto-drafted? Screaming at the TV again because someone who can't hear you dropped an open pass? Just dropped your RB1 for a kicker? Thought your fantasy draft was a good first date idea? You probably just blindsided by hunger. Luckily, Snickers is here to pick up your sorry butt off the turf. Get back on your game with NFL Hunger Bars from Snickers. The Around the NFL Podcast still doesn't have all their passports. <laughs> Welcome back to the Around the NFL Podcast presented by New Era. I'm Greg Rosenthal. In a room filled with some different heroes today, Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and you just heard the voice of Patrick Claybon. Thanks for doing the ad read, Claybon. It's an honor. I, I, I Honestly, you were shuffling the papers around. I'm like, can I do an ad read? Greg, can I do one? And and I'm like, it's I'm at the top right now. Mm. I can't get knocked. You'll off have right other opportunities. I mean, we are flush with ads now in these recent shows. I am not allowed to do an ad read. Apparently, <laughs> I was told by a shadowy league figure that um this was this person's personal opinion, but they didn't like the job I did. So now I will not do it again. I refuse well, to did, do it again. She didn't say that you couldn't. I didn't ever say it was a she, again. Greg. Let's not continue <laughs> oh. to drop evidence left and right. Well, just trying to be gender neutral. Also, I apologize to. She Chris is Wesseling. not gender, gender neutral. <laughs> <laughs> she or he. I apologize to Chris Wesley for not giving you the room there to, to say, you know, hey, Dan. But but Dan's not here in case you didn't know. That's notice. quite all right. We don't have to do the same thing every time. Yeah, Dan is uh, across the country. I believe, you know, working hour after hour trying to get that passport. So I hope I hope he goes. Maybe he went to, like, the Washington, D.C. office and he gets that it can in happen. time. We are one week away from being in London, really just five days uh, from leaving. I don't have, have you guys like done any preparation? Is there anything we're going to do for this? Not a thing. I got my passport. That's all I needed. I got excited about you guys going. Okay. That's more the, than we've done. Because this has been a long road. And for those of us that aren't, you know, personally involved, I mean, mm. I do care about you guys deeply, but just watching the whole thing materialize from what could have been in the past, it's it's That's great. good to hear. Thank you. And yeah, we are we are working on it. We're we're flying out of here. We get to London next Sunday. We're taping three podcasts. We know that for sure next week in a few different locations. We're hoping to do one at a live location that will get you the details about on Tuesday night, London time. And then we've got the Piccadilly event on Saturday. I think that's it. It's and we a, didn't really do that jam-packed schedule. And we didn't do that much this weekend because there was preseason football. We were we were kind of stuck working. Jobs. We got jobs. Yeah. Responsibilities. Well, the good thing is the flights, it, I don't know about Greg's, but ours are, it's later in the day on Saturday. It's not one of these scenarios. Have you ever had this where it's like you wake up, I had this girl from a time, you wake up at like 3 in the morning, the flights, you have to be at the airport at 5, no one's packed a thing because things were crazy the night before. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to be in that situation. I'm going to have my act together this time. Now, you're a, you're a guy who prepares. You'll have stuff. You already were talking about packing like last week. I'm just saying weight. it's on my radar. It's it's a task coming up. Just like you have to move a couple of weeks. It's like moving, packing, or or they sit out there as annoying things, blocks of time that are going to take away from your time. So the the fact that we're going to London is a sign that the preseason is finally, thankfully, drawing to a close. The last meaningful preseason action happened over the weekend, 
It was less meaningful than usual. There weren't a lot of starters necessarily uh, in a lot of these games. And coming off of that, instead of going over all the preseason stuff because we're sick of it, we're going to do something we do every year and go around the mm-hmm. AFC in 48 minutes, which has kind of become one of Claybon's trademark shows. It, it's that time of year for me to do around the one of the conferences in 48 minutes. So I, and that I means we're going to spend about 40 minutes on the Jets and eight minutes on the other <laughs> three minutes teams in the every AFC. team. If you root for an AFC team, you're going to get talked about. And uh, if you root for an NFC team, we'll talk about you later in the week. We, you out. we tried to skip doing any news at all, but we had some big time news drop into our laps on Monday. Uh, so for that, we're going to send it over to Emma VP sitting in in the producer chair. What's going on, today. guys? What's happening? I'm glad. Got to be back. Got to be the interim interim producer. <laughs> <laughs> it's an honor. Let's do some news. Hey, Ravens fans. Sit down! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark, I, th- I think that's going to be a recurring uh, sound drop there. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> that was from the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to uh, a little Odell Beckham news. Uh, the big surprise when we found out that Odell Beckham is signing a massive contract uh on Monday, the biggest for a wide receiver in NFL history, I think was the lack of news leading up to it, the lack of kind of talk and drama and everything. It shouldn't be too surprising that Odell Beckham got a five-year, $95 million extension. He's that great a player, $41 million in in uh, guaranteed money, $65 million in total guarantees. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means anymore, but I'll, I'll start with you then, We should stop even Wes. reporting it. Like, what is the difference <laughs> between guaranteed and total guaranteed? It just throws me for a loop every time. I think guaranteed, fully guaranteed means he's getting that money no matter what. And that other difference between 65 and 41 means that if he got injured and they wanted to get rid of him, they could get rid of him. Well, then take, so it's not a guarantee. Take the word guarantee out of <laughs> yeah, there. It's I think it's probably yeah. demanded by the agents who are dealing with the insiders yeah. who report to us, and it keeps that those little tent poles all raised. So the extension averages about $20 million over the first three years. Uh, our insider, Ian Rappaport, reported. What, what, were, what were your thoughts, Wes, when you saw this? He deserved to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL. Only three players in NFL history have caught more TD passes in their first 45 games. Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and Rob Gronkowski. They're all among the inner circle of their positions all time. Gronk is already there. Dale Balcom, I mean, some of this is the era in which he plays inflates stats, but every time he takes the field, he's the most dynamic athletic player on the field, and the production matches it. For a guy to start his career in that fashion, he deserves to get paid. And it puts to bed, and I think it already this already was put to bed, but this happened at least now, and we have to deal with it down the road and keep hearing about it. But any whispers that the Giants were going to find a way to trade him or not have him on the roster long term, goodbye with that, because you can't let a player like this get out the building. You go get Saquon Barkley, you have Evan Ingram, you've got Sterling Shepard, you have a nice offense here. You still have a quarterback issue, I think, obviously looming after this season. I'm proud of all of us. I, I think the NFL community grew up during this. Mm. And, like, takesmen were kind of driving this conversation, like, oh, Odell's a problem. And everybody just kept falling for it, like, consistently, like, oh, are they, are they going to trade Odell? Are they going to get rid of it? But then, like, at some point this summer, it's like everybody united to say, like, wait, this is, this is dumb. This is one of the best <laughs> players in football. They should sign him. And the Giants are like, yeah, we're going to sign him. And Odell's like, all right, I'm coming back. And then they signed him. 
and here we are. I think the ACL and I mean the ankle injury rather that he had last year may have helped us along just a little bit in that it got rid of McAdoo, which I think could not have hurt. It does seem like uh, Pat Shermer made a point to have a great relationship with Odell to speak absolutely great about him from the minute that he got there. It seems like there's good mutual respect there, and. Who knows? Maybe it motivates Odell just a little bit more to, to sign that contract before he gets on the field again just because you wouldn't want to risk uh, getting hurt. And that trade stuff that popped up, it wasn't out of no, thin air. It was partly felt like pushed by the Giants a little bit. Dave Gettleman refused to say that he would be on the roster. And then more importantly, I remember Mike Garofolo reported at the time, the Giants thought like the whispers themselves were almost good for Odell, like it was going to – scare him straight or just make him realize he somehow wasn't untouchable. I don't know but if, this, I, if I really buy that. that it's kind of like the Steelers did that with Ben Roethlisberger back in the day, except Odell Beckham hadn't really done anything serious But at this all. has to put to bed to some degree. I don't know why I keep using that phrase. I, I'm apparently tired. I didn't sleep much on the pill. Like, so you can't, you can't have the Giants' ownership talking about Odell Beckham and at correcting him through the press and all this stuff. I mean, now he's, now he's your guy for – the next five years and whatever the guaranteed money means, like you, that has to end. It's got We need a peaceful, peaceful chapter here. We'll see if that happens. I think we're. I think we'll get it. I mean, he's. It's only three years, but he's on an early track of the type of players that end up in the Hall of Fame. They know that this this is this group. Him, Shepard, and Ingram are gonna outlast Eli Manning. They're gonna be the bridge to that group, and it's one of the best groups in football. And as you said, Greg, there's no ulterior motives needed anymore. Like. Mm nobody's posturing for a contract. So now it's like a married couple that they can finally have a conversation about the problems instead of like one other note, Emma. Oh, wow. This is just coming across the wire. Um, And I know we didn't want to add a lot of fluff and extra news, but Raiders wide receiver Griff Whalen suffered turf toe in the third preseason game. We don't need to go that far into it, but it's just something to be noted (laughs) as you, uh, as you assess the league. But in, in the sense of breaking news, didn't that happen days ago? Listen, we're learning this now. <laughs> no, we're learning it now. It is an update. It is new information on Griff Whalen and the He's Raiders. important enough to get Ryan Switzer traded. Yeah. So Thank I you. applaud your breaking Thank news. You. Thank you, Wes. Apparently, yeah. What are Ryan's... they going to do now if they don't have either one of them? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they have Dwayne Harris got to do some returns. Well, special teamer. But, uh, yeah, that that's big news. I'm really one, glad we didn't add any fluff to the show. Thanks. One last thing on Odell. Uh, I regret to inform you, Claybon, that one of your favorite phrases is now dead along with dress rehearsal. Get the bag is is it's dead. Mm. Who killed it? All of the mainstream media reporting Ooh. on Odell's deal today. It is now gone mainstream. I'm sorry. How about like? Well, also we about, had the power on the show to ban phrases, and West just banned it from the studio. How about like bag season though? Yeah, bag season's gone. It, it, it's look, bag season it in my house. We're all just trying to get that money. You know, it depends on who's killing I don't it. Need and that like Wes says, if if you beat know, beat writers are killing it. If beat writers and Darren Ravel are just pounding oh, secure the bag, then it's over. It's dead. I would check Ravel's Twitter line today, and I bet he's got get the bag in there. <laughs> Ravel is the moment where like any trend or thing cool goes to die. Uh, and with that in mind, Ravel's uh, just out there getting the bag, though. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah, I uh, loves with, capitalism. With that in mind, I think I think that's it. I think we're ready to go around the AFC and to start. I don't know if we have like an opening theme song or anything, Emma VP. Definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. That's something we would have had to prepare ahead of time. Yep. We are going to start <laughs> in the AFC, AFC East AFC. with Mark Sessler. <laughs> Three minutes per team. 
you don't talk for three minutes. You, 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 did, you did ask me that earlier I, today. I had as a bad – he, he said he couldn't remember. I was I like, really? I had this bad memory of having to come up with like a three-minute-long soliloquy about like the Chiefs, but it must have been a wrong memory. Mark was just like, I don't know if I have three minutes to talk about the Colts. Like that's a I lot. I was like, no, not. I think that would make for a bad show if we each took turns talking for three minutes. <laughs> that's so here really we go. Three minutes per team. We'll go through each division. We're starting in the AFC East with the Jets. Mark – Let's go. I will say one thing about the Jets. With Mike McCagnon, I wonder if this has been a job-saving offseason. And I'll talk about one thing. I think he's done in a little bit of the mold of what you see some Super Bowl-winning GMs have done in the past. In the past couple years, he's gone out and found that game-changing defensive star in Leonard Williams. He found another one. I think when you want you have that, that strength up the middle on that side, that, they want to be strong on defense. You've got... Jamal Adams and Marcus May at safety. I think Jamal Adams is going to be an absolute star in this league. So you got these two pieces. It's kind of like the way the Steelers were built when they had Troy Polamalu. And then now finally, after you know, instead of going and getting the wrong quarterback last offseason, and Jets fans are elated that you have Sam Darnold, who you are not messing around with this narrative for the most part. You're going to start in week one. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like the Peyton Manning 1998 cult season where mm. they, they the team may not do great in terms of wins and losses. Darnold may have some games where he really struggles, but they are all in, and I think that buys this coaching – or at least it should buy this coaching staff a little bit of time unless they find a coach they like after. But I like what Mike McCagnon has done with the victories. He's obviously had some defeats that we've pinged him on. That's a good point. One of the ways to build a strong roster is not to miss on first-round draft picks, and you pointed to a strong record there, but also give him so much credit for – the ultra-aggressive move up for for Sam Darnold. He right. didn't know he was getting hmm. Darnold, but to go all in like he did, and basically it was, if this works, you're going to save your job. If it doesn't work, you're going to be fired. And since we last talked, you know, Darnold played again. Probably his most mixed performance of the preseason. Teddy Bridgewater looked good again, but it's very clear Darnold is going to get the start in week one. But watching that game, it, it the Jets-Giants preseason game, it got me thinking that, the quarterback issue has obscured everything else about the Jets and kind of everyone's forgotten that this is not a good team. Like they have absolutely no pass rush. If you look at the four people they're rotating for their four pass rush positions, that's only a minute. minute. (laughs) You could argue that those four guys wouldn't even make most teams. So they have a bad offensive line and no pass rush, which is a recipe to, like, lose a lot of games. That's the trademark of the Jets. No outside pass rush whatsoever. I mean, even going through Rex Ryan's career in New York, they didn't have that. And, and they, you know, they, they ship a couple of guys off. Uh, Leonard Williams, people expect things, some things from him. He made a couple of plays in the preseason. Um, Adams and May, something to feel good about in the secondary, perhaps? There's plenty um, to feel good about. But, I mean, the, the receivers, I think the quarter the quarterbacks alone can carry you through the season. But if, like, they can get anyone for Teddy Bridgewater that can help their team this year, maybe do that. I think they can wait till there's two teams that want Teddy Bridgewater. As long as Sam Darnold is on the field from the Jet fans that I've seen and spoken to, they feel great about everything. They're all in on Sam Darnold, and it doesn't matter if they lose every game. They love Sam. That's easy to say now. When you're 0-7, you might be feeling Time's up, bozos. (laughs) That was uncalled for. Boom. All right, go to the Miami Dolphins, Chris Wesseling. That's not me. Oh, oh, Patrick the Miami Dolphins. Here's the thing. Uh, after watching this most recent Miami Dolphins uh, game and a couple of others in, in prep for the pod, Adam Gase has brought in quarterbacks that he's familiar with. Uh, he brought in Jay Cutler. David Fales uh, comes in. Brock Osweiler as well. Oof. And 
the Dolphins still need a backup quarterback. And so this thing, if, if you guys will mind a turn of phrase, that, that's on my radar here is maybe you just need to get some good football players and people that you have relationships with aren't necessarily the guys uh, to back up your quarterback position. Like, I hope Ryan Tannehill is fine, but these guys combined uh, this preseason are 39 of 68 with no touchdowns and three interceptions. Well, and looking last year, they lost Ryan Tannehill and another relationship, Adam Gase relationship subject, Jay Cutler, came in. We did not need a year of Jay Cutler, uh, football mm. year at least. We need him potentially on that reality show for a couple <laughs> minutes a week, but not the football side. Thank you. Backup quarterbacks are plague right now going around the league. I mean, there's a lot of good teams, Seahawks, Panthers, that have – just Cowboys that just have terrible backup situations. Well, and these that's the Dolphins. The one thing I don't feel like that we've talked about this a hundred times, the front office and coaching staff do not feel like one of the teams where they're intertwined with yeah. the same mind. And they just, they decided unlike the Jets to not trade up, to not make a move to get a quarterback. When I think Adam Gase, he le- seemed to love Ryan Tannehill all off season, but why not bring in someone to compete? Come on. Well, I think that's a complex issue, and if you read, uh, say, Bruce Arians' book, which came out last year, The Quarterback Whisper, you know how important it is for the head coach to have a backup quarterback he can trust, and especially if you're in, if you're a new coach installing a new offense, say, like, Nagy brings in Chase Daniel to help out Mitch Trubisky. That makes sense to me, even though, as Claybon would say, he got the bag. Right, <laughs> that's Daniel. your bad guy. But to me, that makes all the sense in the world to bring in a guy who can help Mitch Trubisky because your hours with him as the head coach are limited. So that makes sense. But Brock Osweiler bringing in to help Tannehill, how does that How does that work? Brock might not even make the team, I think, based on what we've seen. It looks like it probably I, fails. I think this could could easily be the second-best team in the AFC East. I really do. I think Kenyon Drake is going to be great at running back, and their defense is not star-studded, but there's some pieces there. I just want – it's this not is, hard to be the second-best team in the AFC East either, so that's you know, calling for the sky. It's got to be a huge disappointment if they're not the second-best yeah. team in the East because the Jets are in a full-blown rebuilding, and the Bills might have the worst roster in the conference. I mean, I could see them being 8-8. Eight and eight. I would not be shocked, the Dolphins. Yeah, they um, – they, I hope Tannehill is fine. Uh, I know Adam Gase made a lot of changes in order to change the culture – but if Tannehill goes down again and they don't have anybody behind him, uh, he may be the person out as somebody. He's who looked pretty good in the preseason. He's, he's the looked culture. fine. They have had questions though. Their Ten, linebackers are terrible nine, every year, eight, and they have young ones seven, this year: Raquan McMillan six, and Jerome Baker. And they've five, really struggled four, in the preseason. Mike Gesicki, who two, they like as their first round tight end, did nothing in the stop. preseason. I need to see. Did I stutter? Wow. Yeah. That Greg really... got about 12 questions in the last 10 seconds there. That was impressive. <laughs> that really shut me up, uh, voice of Tam Posey. Now we will go to Chris Wesseling, who's got the New England Patriots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've already covered this. There's no reason for the Patriots to be concerned about winning the division. They do it every year regardless, and the division is even worse this year than normal. It is a down year for a down division. Having said that, one of the trade, the trade that looks like it could come back to haunt more than any other trade in the NFL this season is trading Brandon Cooks and drafting Isaiah Wynn. Through no fault of their own that Isaiah Wynn got injured, but this is a wide receiver core hmm. that has been that has seen Kenny Britt, Eric Decker, who else has walked Eric out? Eric Decker's retired. That's- Malcolm Mitchell gone. Yeah. Jordan Matthews. Jordan gone. Matthews hey, gone. Man, that's Kenny, four you guys. lost Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt. <laughs> Look, all these guys that they thought could play on the outside. Who's playing on the outside? Chris Hogan once in a while. Philip Dorsett, who's a little undersized. 
It's it's concerning against the in the Panthers preseason game where are multiple tweets discussing how Philip Dorsett and Cordero Patterson seem to have a real role in this offense, and they bring this team <laughs> they're two speed. And three. They're two and three. I think to answer your question, Wes, on some level, there will be another veteran receiver who joins this team because right now I only see three that are even going to make the team. Okay, like, but unless like it's, it's Riley McCarron. It's late August. You think you're getting a good veteran? No, but someone like of this year's version of Philip Dorsett. But you're right. It's a weak Philip position. Philip Dorsett, who really hurt the Patriots last year because he wasn't any good is, when they got him. Is Brandon LaFell still available? Is is he a guy you guys hey, That makes I, sense. Now you're cooking that, with gas. Because I, Super Bowl, here we come, baby. Because I remember Brandon LaFell was asking for his release, and then all of a sudden Eric Decker gets signed by the Patriots, and yeah. I felt like that had to burn him. I mean, yeah. Eric get, Decker, by the way, great career. Retired over the weekend. Bill, so and, happy and trails, I thought Edelman Eric looked good, and, good against the Panthers. I think he played a nice game. And they're going to get it back in week four, which means they can also throw 50 to 60 passes a game to running backs. Right. That's what which they do. will do. And yeah. they have a second tight end in, in Jacob Hollister, who they really like, who I think is going to be a factor. But I, there's a part of me that's intrigued that Philip Dorsett and Cordero Patterson have such big roles on this team. Just like, wow, this is different. But you're right. It's a little bit of a concern. T-minus one minute. Well, it's going to be different than last year where Tom Brady held the ball. A long time waiting for Brandon Cooks to get open downfield, and they went to more of a downfield passing attack. I think you'll see this year they go back to what he had been doing for the five years before that, a lot of quick hits right out of the I think shotgun. I think they'll go back to – I don't even know when. A different – almost in it, like a different Pats team than we've seen that's not a top-five explosive offense and trying to win games in different ways. Wait, who do they still have Brady and Gronk. They still do, but like – Maybe it's the running game. Maybe it's throwing the ball to the running backs. Maybe it's your leaning on your defense. Where I don't know. Probably all of the above. Before we get out of here, right. you got to, like, Greg, as a Patriots fan, like this guy, Jawan Bentley. I think he played well against Carolina. He's a buzz, certain, a buzz, like, a buzz candidate Yeah, at this that's, point. Yeah, that's why I'm excited about this team. They have a lot of new players. Jawan Bentley Ten, looks good. Nine, uh, Derek Rivers, eight, who's a pass rusher, seven, looked good. Dietrich Wise six, looks a lot better. You five, get Dante Hightower four, back. It's a nice little three, secondary. Two, I like this Patriots one. team. <laughs> there, we back off. there we go. There we go. I'm in. We didn't even Wait, hear what it. was that again? Okay, we get it. You're nerds. Move on. <laughs> thank yeah, you. So thank well you. said. It's always so Greg accurate. at the end. Did you notice that? And it's always uh, mm, we'll track that. correct. Now I can't speak <laughs> for the we rest of the show. We will track that trend. I'm going to talk about the old Buffalo Bills. And for three straight minutes. For three straight minutes. Do it. On the quarterback situation because Josh Allen – uh, over the weekend showed us in some ways what an uphill battle that any Bills quarterback is going to have. And they, they were without their left tackle, Deion Dawkins, who they like. But otherwise, they just got steamrolled by the Bengals. And it was a reminder, you have guys on the outside that aren't necessarily great receivers. Corey Coleman might not even make the team reportedly. You have Kelvin Benjamin, who's an okay number one. You have no protection. And then how is Josh Allen going to respond to that? He couldn't do anything really over the weekend. I didn't take that much from that performance, but it just raised the question, what do you do? Do you go with Allen or do you just kind of throw Nathan Peterman <laughs> to the to the wolves to get punished? Because it's not like he's going to do any better than Josh no, Allen. No, I totally agree. But who, care, who cares if you ruin Nathan Peterman? <laughs> no offense, Nathan Peterman, who has a, He'll be all right. he has a high upside as a long-term backup, but they traded up for Josh Allen for a reason. Okay. Because he's the one with the promising so, future. But, but, like, when is the offensive line and the team going to be any better? It's not like it's going to be great by week I, four. I changed my mind after this game, and it was just as much Josh Allen's comments as it was the interior of the offensive line, which gave him no chance. But his comments after the game about it being eye-opening, the speed of NFL defenses, and him 
He held on to the ball too long. He, he did. He admitted that a lot of those plays were designed to be quick hitters, and he didn't see what he wanted to see before the snap. So that tells me just as much as, as the game film does, mm. that Josh Allen doesn't feel like he's ready to beat a defense like the Bengals right now. All of this is playing out so much like the positive and negative of his pre-draft scouting reports, yeah. where he's going to do some things, and he did it right out of the gate physically that blow all of us away, and the potential is enticing, and you want to see him in there because he's the most exciting option of the three. But then suddenly, when you're putting a rookie, it's the speed. The speed is different when you're well protected. But then the speed is a whole different thing when you've got five or six giant men coming at you on every play, and you're doing <laughs> figure eights going 10, 20, 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage. I think one guy who was okay with all this is Sean McDermott because if, if you're a quarterback that's coming in the National Football League, you want Sean McDermott after seeing the way he feels about Nathan Peterman, like get you a coach that loves you like Sean McDermott loves Nathan <laughs> Peterman. Cause I can't imagine a quarterback coming in under any other circumstance playing hmm. arguably the worst half of football a quarterbacks ever played. A guy gets drafted to replace you. And still at this point in August, you're in position to start for the football team. He, he, this guy loves Nathan. Peterman. He does, but it should be pointed out. Peterman's thrown 80 plus percent with basically a perfect preseason, and he was going up against backups in this game, but he still came in and Ten, then played really nine, well and moved the eight, ball. So he's seven, given him every reason. Six, five. Greg is trying four, not to be the last three. one to talk on Literally this segment for the first time. That's Wait, where's Dan? He'd have a better answer than that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, See how I cut it off exactly at one there? But would uh, would Dan uh, read this ad read as well as I'm about to? Probably a lot. Well, I don't know uh, if you want to challenge him on that no, one. No, probably <laughs> a whole lot better. But I'm just here to tell you guys, the wait is over. Football's almost here. And that means it's FanDuel season. Oh, yeah. Mm. Fantasy football's back. You ever play a little FanDuel, Wes? I've never played Trick question. Fanduel. You're not allowed to. Thank it's you. a yes. gambling <laughs> policy. We were sent an email today. We're not allowed to get to. But everyone else can. Everyone else can. And even if you're not a fan, fantasy expert, FanDuel is clearly the place to play. It's got something for everyone. You can do a free $250,000 Survivor Contest this year. It's the biggest Survivor Contest ever. You pick one team to win each week. It locks in. More importantly, week to week, you just get out there. You listen to the Around the NFL podcast. You glean some information, and you set your lineup. I know you'd be doing it, Mark. I mean, if I were allowed, I took a 12-minute uh, compliance course today, a video <laughs> presentation put out by Roger Goodell in the NFL that made it very clear that I am not allowed to do that or bet on the ponies at any point um, during a work trip. Your compliance is admirable. It, it, it absolutely is, and I wish I didn't work in the NFL for this one reason, would be to just play Well, we can arrange play that, some fan duel. You and, have been known to get the itch occasionally. Destroy though. the competition. I uh, can arrange that. To get into <laughs> that free $250,000 Survivor Contest, you just go to fanduel.com slash around the NFL. Again, that's fanduel.com slash around the NFL. When you do that, listeners, you help keep this uh, podcast afloat. New users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. That's like free money. Come play at FanDuel.com slash around the NFL. And now let's go to Mark, who's talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. It's the Bengals. All right. Are you I was ready? prepared for a completely different team, but here we go. Yes. Am I allowed to go? It's, the time is already ticking. 
You know, I see the Bengals as a little bit of a pivot point team in the AFC, which I think is a weird conference this year, number one. This will sound um, unremarkable because it is, but I feel like this can be Marvin Sell Lewis's. It, well, I think this could be Marvin Lewis's third best team in Cincinnati. Now that doesn't sound like much, except you have to look at the 2015 right. team, which had Andy Dalton playing at MVP level, and the 2005 team. All right, let's I'm calm just, down about MVP level, Andy Dalton. Well, before he was in the conversation. He was in the conversation. The conversation Every, a lot was, of people in the conversation. Stupid. It was stupid. But still, <laughs> I don't listen. I don't want to gush over the team too much, but I do think that Andy Dalton could be living his best life if he keeps up the high octane <laughs> gaffes to a minimum. Are we buying? I thought this we're not team? allowed to say best life. I am. No one else is. Okay. But even, I, I'm not. I'm not going to say it more than once. But I, I really think the Bengals. When I was p- picking the playoff teams for our website today. I really struggled because I really wanted to put them in there, and it's hard to because mm. there's – I don't know if you heard this. There's only six AFC playoff teams, but they've <laughs> almost made the cut. Uh, well, I put them in there, and I took the old Steelers out just uh, just to mix it up. There's got to be one really good team, or there mm. usually is one really good team that just falls flat, and I went with the Steelers. And I'm with you because I like the Bengals because of their pass rush. I think they can be uh, – balanced on both sides of the ball we saw that in the in the bills game it was a reminder how many good pass rushers they have not just dunlap and geno atkins uh but jordan willis and carl lawson and andrew billings this nose tackle is looking better it's like they got a lot of bodies yeah i'm excited to watch them this year for the sheer fact that they did not willingly enter the season with an offensive (laughs) line that was in nfl caliber (laughs) like they did last year they just willingly went into the season knowing their offensive line was going to hold them back all year and this year, they at least attempted to fix it. Minus one minute. I think, to me, that's still the number one question, though. The offensive line, is it fixed? And would what injury to Cordy Glenn just demolish the whole thing? Yeah, everything else seems like icing on the cake, as you said, Wes, after they went into the year last year with a plan of not having an offensive line. Right. <laughs> that, that it seems like a goal that they want to accomplish. And I know I don't want to get too caught up in preseason highlights, but that's that's what I am. That, that, that's what brings the juice to me. And John Ross uh, John getting Ross. deep oh, and yeah. shaking three guys to get in the end zone. I, I like it. I, I like the comeback yeah, you narrative. Would have, you would have needed to have been that. a kidnap victim not to see that highlight somewhere yesterday. And it was an amazing catch. And then what he did after the catch, and it tells you, because it's also been a one-dimensional offense where if you can shut down A.J. Green through the air, you're taking care of the Bengals probably in most of these mm. seasons past. I don't think that's true right now. But I do think Mixon, Joe Mixon, we need a little bit more in the regular season. Well, they, if you watch the game, you also saw Tyler Eifert was back on the field. Mixon was lining up at wide receiver. Three, Tyler Boyd was making two, plays. This offense one. is a much different. Please, please stop. Just stop. <laughs> Clavon. This, this is sabotage. Cleveland Browns. The You're Cleveland Browns. Everybody is, is dialed into this team uh, because of hard knocks, but a guy who really hasn't made that much of an appearance on the show yet but is unquestionably one of the best players on the field is Miles Garrett. Uh, after that, that last preseason game, he, he didn't have 25 snaps total in the game, but he got pressures on at least seven uh, of Nick Foles' pass mm. attempts, uh, made him step up in the pocket, forced a fumble. I, I don't think it's crazy to say that he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, if, C- candidate? Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I'm not – he's not in the top one. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But Breaking news. Mark Sessler <laughs> agrees with an optimistic take. <laughs> no, I, because player. you want to know what? It's the Sorry. first time Sorry. in like two decades where I saw a Browns player look dominant on yeah. defense. It's not – Happened. They haven't had that guy, Jameer Miller, for one season. Please. Twenty years ago. There's only so many guys that hold your eye on the defensive line every single snap that mm-hmm. they're on the field, and now that guy plays for the Cleveland Browns, and I think that's a good thing. 
That's exciting. That's I'm not saying he's J.J. Watt, but when you say hold your eye, that's the type of player who you're watching him every snap to see what kind of havoc he wreaks. And then on the other side of the ball, the best player on the offense hasn't even played yet, Josh Gordon. Mm. To me, he is far and away their best offensive player. Baker Mayfield, I love his future, but right now, Josh Gordon's a difference maker for them. I want to see him on the field. It right. is Gordon, but I feel Gordon's almost like waiting for J.J. Watt and Jadevian Clowney to play together for 16 games. It is <laughs> it is a mythical scenario where it is the most mysterious situation in the league always with Josh Gordon. Will he play 16 games? Well, plus he immediately pulled his hamstring, and it's the same thing that happened to Roquan Smith. Everyone's excited when Roquan Smith returns. Everyone's excited when Josh Gordon returns, and then they immediately pull their hamstring. And it's like it's not that easy to just come up, catch up with everyone. And I hope we see that Josh Gordon this year. But we it's been a it's been a long time since we saw that for an entire season. And I think they hopefully they were just playing that safe. They they said right. t- they said tightness right. Maybe it's so not there wasn't there wasn't an actual T-1 pull. But I. There's no reason. You shouldn't be ashamed. Like, I see the smile on your face. There's, there's nothing wrong with being excited about the Cleveland They've Browns. Had They've I, had a great month. They've had a great month. Mayfield looked good. T- uh, Taylor looked whoa, good. Whoa. Joel Betonio <laughs> quietly moved over to left tackle, and, like, no one's really talking about that. That looks under situation. And Carlos Hyde, I think, the fact that he just kind of blew Nick Chubb out of the water and looks good and he's the starting running back, like, I feel good about that. I think Nick Chubb actually, though, has had some good tape along with some mm-hmm. concerning plays, but – they have they haven't been deep as a running back unit either. So yeah, allow me to clarify. I'm excited about maybe three <laughs> or four players on this team, and I'm the opposite of excited about this coaching staff, specifically the defensive coordinator, who who thought he had to take shots at Denzel Ward and make his Ten, players' injury nine, about himself. Eight, mm. seven. That's true. Six, Which is you know what you're five, gonna get from Greg. Four, you're gonna get yeah. a lot of Greg. Three. From Greg. Two, yeah. One. It's bringing shame to the sixty percent. Already. Next one. <laughs> I just couldn't time it. Wes, you're up with the Steelers. <laughs> Only seven times in the Super Bowl era has a team made the playoffs five consecutive years and then not gone on to the Super Bowl at some point. The wow. Steelers are in danger of doing that because they're waiting for a dynasty to end in New England. And I want to know, is this the last ride of the Killer Bees? Are they going to miss their window because Lev Bell is gone after this year? I say just enjoy this offense one more time because who knows what it's going to be next year. Hmm. No Todd Haley there, which gives me faith in the Browns and maybe a little concern in the Steelers just because of the just because of the track record that he has. But I think you're right. The fact that James Connors looks so great this preseason makes me feel even more confident that Love Bell won't be there next year. How are we pronouncing the offensive coordinator's name? Randy Fickner? Yep. I did a little research on him. Uh Uh-oh. When he was coach at Memphis – but way back when they had D'Angelo Williams at Memphis, he was famous. He was most known for going up-tempo, no huddle, before a lot of other teams are doing it. Ben has been asking this, and you can get a lot of background on this in the excellent Football Outsiders Almanac, but Ben has been asking for this for years, and Todd Haley didn't want to do it because of mm. his pre-snap motions and lining up under center and all of his trickery. And now I think we're going to see what Ben wanted, a lot of no huddle, a lot of up-tempo, which with their – personnel should work pretty well. I think you mentioned that that was in play and there was a big period of time where when he was with Arians where Arians would let Roethlisberger call his own plays and organize the offense the way he wanted to gave him a ton of freedom and that was some of the best version of Ben Roethlisberger we've ever had so maybe if we veer towards that that would be successful. And the relationship between Haley and Ben 
was always notably very bad to the point where they needed an intermediary uh, between the two, <laughs> that seems, which seems like an odd position for an offensive coordinator yeah. and a quarterback to be in. Probably good that he moved on. <laughs> but they, yeah, but they made it work. Um, I, I keep an eye on on James Washington and what the Steelers have been able to do with receivers, T especially rookie receivers minute. coming in and making plays. Uh, they they sneak up and, and grab this guy's had a I think th uh, two touchdowns uh, this preseason so far. They've they've been able to accomplish things the pre Haley era and I, I don't think the post Haley era is going to be bad. For and them. they they have they've had the same offensive line I believe for four straight years. This would yeah this would be the fourth year. Heard of and there there is no reason that this offense shouldn't be the best in the league. My big question is the same one as ever. It's like I I thought last year was the year their their defense would finally kind of make the leap and they did for a little for a part of the season but by the end it didn't matter and I guess I guess I've like lost faith that. Mike Tomlin's defense is ever going to be like a difference maker, even though there's some good players on it. It's just kind of there, and, and that, maybe that's good enough. For and the they great say, offense. "Oh, we we'll find a way to to mask over the Ten, loss of Ryan Chazier. but I, eight, you you simply seven, cannot do that. And that six, the minute he went out, five, that entire four, defense in that season three, was lost. Two, one. Great point, Sessler. Wow! <laughs> Why did see? He get... But see, I, what I try to do is I try to work with you, the production staff, by cutting my comment off right before your comment comes in. So that mm. was an appropriate response by you. Thank you. I've got <laughs> I've got the Baltimore Ravens up next and my big thought is I've seen enough. I think they've had a terrific offseason, a terrific <laughs> training camp. Not every team has a lot of things go right for them in training camp. I know there's a lot of optimism, but I think the Ravens really have. They've had almost no injuries whatsoever. They've did All their guys, until Hayden Hurst, have just been out there practicing every day. They got an extra week of work. They've got John Br Willie Henry, starting defensive end, is injured. That's right. John Brown um, – John Brown has looked really good. I, I'm thinking of like these mid-August days where the Baltimore Sun kept saying over and over, it's crazy, but everyone is practicing. More importantly, they have a lot of young guys on the defense, and they're good at developing these young guys on the defense, and it seems to find them every year. This year, Tim Williams has been awesome in yeah. the preseason. Zadarius Smith, uh, Kamale Correa, who's, who's been a second-round pick. They've kind of been waiting to come on. He's been coming on. And you just look at all these positions, and they just look deep. And I'm not buying the – motivated Joe Flacco thing necessarily, but I am buying that Joe Flacco can play a lot better than he did the last three years. And that is an area that they can improve a lot is protection and their quarterback. And if they get okay quarterback play, they're going to the playoffs and they're going to be tough to deal with. Well, I am buying like the beyond the motivation with Joe Flacco man with awful back injury now does not have back. Injury. Right. Exactly. He's moving better. You can exactly. tell he's moving better. He's not, he t he's taken a lot of flack, but it's almost like it's gone too far mm. the other way. He has played terribly, but if he's healthy, he's he's a he's an average starting quarterback. He's not. Well, gonna and outside kill of them. Steve Smith, they also put nothing around him for a yeah. long stretch. I the John Brown thing because I think w like John Brown was with the Cardinals was so fun to watch, and then he vanished for basically two seasons. Not not the version of him that we knew, and I think it's a great for him and for. You know, the the AFC in general, if you get John Brown flipping from the NFC to AFC and making this Baltimore Ravens offense exciting after it was hit has been tough to watch for a while. Their backfield's deeper. Team Kenneth Dixon looks minute. really good. Gus Edwards, an undrafted guy, looks like a keeper for them. Buck Allen's always good on passing downs. They're deeper than they've been so than they were last year. That anyway. means you have the Bengals and the Ravens as your wildcard teams. I have the Ravens winning the division. Oh, okay, the that's Bengals right. as a wildcard. And the Steelers team. and the Steelers not winning the division and not With making the no playoffs. With no logical basis behind it, just not making the playoffs. <laughs>
It's just mm-hmm. like because things, they're due. That's why I have the Ravens winning the division. They're kind of due. Just Can happen. Yeah. It, You're stealing my go-get-my-lunch thing for this week. Well, I didn't know that. Hmm. <laughs> The, I guess um, I'm not going to reel you in. <laughs> <laughs> the preseason for Flacco and, and the Raiders, as you said, Greg, is because I was all in on Lamar taking the job at some point, but now I just don't think there's enough losses for him to be able to get mm. in there. That, he I, he I played really well for anyone that watched. Um, that was his best game by far. Nine, he looked. He eight, looked. It was good to see him seven, take a step forward. Six, five. I'm not messing with four, Tim here. Three, two, one. Raven. That one was brought to you by the broadcast. Carry on. <laughs> was waiting for our broadcast plug of the show. Uh, I mean, there have been about 12 of them so far. Great so. great first episode. Check it out. Interviewing uh, Colleen Wolf. And, and another plug we're going to have is from our uh, longtime sponsors for the last three or four weeks. ADT. Watch out. I've got a sign outside my house that has a little ADT scaring people away. ADT can design and install a smart home for you, just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. People think stuff doesn't happen in Santa Monica. Trust me, stuff has been happening right outside my window. There was a big time But not in your house. Fight thanks yesterday. To AD, I'm ADT. not even joking. Just mean streets, I'm Santa not Monica. Even, I'm not even joking. Some, Somebody some, on a bird scooter just when you live a, When you live across <laughs> the uh, parking lot from the Vons, stuff is going to be happening. When you have ADT, though, you can explore the vast number of things you can do with your secure smart home. You can use game day service and ADT automation that unlocks the front door for friends who arrive at your place for the game or while you're out getting snacks or home run service, which lets you check in on your home's cameras even when you're far away. Not to mention you can set up your home to automatically do things like lock the doors, set the thermostat when you leave. It's all controlled by the ADT app or the sound of your beautiful voice, or in my case, annoying voice. You got to go to ADT.com slash smart to learn about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. That's ADT.com slash smart and Mark Sessler. I like to lure burglars into my home like a Trojan horse, then (laughs) trap them with something else. Anyways, where are we going, Greg? <laughs> Indianapolis Colts, Mark Sessler. All right. I think they're intriguing because of Luck, and I thought Luck's game over the weekend was, after a down, somewhat of a down performance the week before, another sign of encouragement. Um, came out of that with a little bit of a foot issue, but hopefully that's nothing. Here's my issue, though. Frank Reich spent last year with an Eagles team that was the third best rushing team in the league and the number one team on defense against the run. The result, Super Bowl, and it's not that crazy. Why? But now you're on a team that looks like you have a backfield with no clear. Kristen Michael is riding through August as your lead dude with Marlon Mack injured. You got a bunch of guys there. Who's who's going to help Andrew Luck for once? And then you watch yesterday, Alfred Morris gashed this defense on the ground when the when most of the ones were in there. It's a formula for a long season that again puts a lot on Andrew Luck's shoulders. I think it's the worst roster in the NFL. I, I. Probably thought that back in April and May, and then, you know, you got started to get excited about Andrew Luck, and I am, but just the more on, – just on paper, and it's very hard to figure these things out, but when you just, like, look, is that position group above or below average? Is, is that position group above or below average? It's like they're all below average except for Andrew Luck. So that that's problematic. Like, they, they put in a right tackle uh, – 
over the weekend, Austin Howard, who they gave a $1.3 million signing bonus to. He got Andrew Luck killed and got the running back killed in back-to-back plays, and they benched him, and he's supposedly not even going to make the team, Austin Howard, and they're just trying – they lose another guy to an injury in the second half. They just – just so many problems. I, I don't mind being the sole bo- voice of optimism here. <laughs> we haven't seen them healthy. Like, let's see yep. the backfield and the offensive line healthy, and then let's see what they do in September and October rather than in August. They're not good right now, but I'm, I think that's fair. I guess my on thing paper, is, I think they're fine. On paper, the players are not productive or necessarily but seem that talented. On paper, you have no idea who Nyheim, Nyheim right, Hines we don't, is we or don't. Jordan Wilkins. Like they could be really good players. I know he fumbled four times in two games, and he fumbled all throughout his college career. On paper, not to. Um, why don't I hop on the positivity train Woo! with Wes? Uh, they get Malik Hooker back. He looked great at safety. Uh, blew out his knee. He's back. Says he feels better we'll have to see how he plays uh, obviously it takes at least a year to get back to where you were but there's some positivity for concern on at least that part of the roster but as you said great it's just my bigger issue is just roster. more of the defense i mean i think you can you can probably cobble together a running back by committee and someone may emerge but there are legit there's a lot of work for the front office to do with this defense still. eric ebron look good I'm I'm all in on an Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle. I guess they're they're over they're over like Jack Doyle. Uh, above average at tight end. So there's there's one position. But they they hired a defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus who's run eight, a four three his whole career. So they had to six, change the whole scheme for the five, second straight year. And four, it's like all these new players. Three, two, one. Enough already. <laughs> Now we're scared of this <laughs> yeah. this verbal lashing totally, we get at the end of every segment. I'm totally afraid. Claybon, you are next up with the Texans. So uh, I was initially concerned about cornerback. I've, I've watched A.J. Boyer have his success in Jacksonville and be one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And then I'm wondering what the plan is. So they bring in Honey Badger. Uh, they've moved Kareem Jackson to safety. It looks like what the plan is is to kind of have – a secondary of cornerbacks who play safety, but you're going to have multiple cornerbacks back there. Mm. And I believe in Romeo Cornell and where he had this team in position not too long ago against the Patriots team that won the Super Bowl. They were going to beat them with Brock Osweiler. It, it just they didn't get enough from the offense. And so I think it's Mike Vrabel's departure right. to Tennessee doesn't scare me at all. I think they got an upgrade at the defensive coordinator position. And as far as the plan to have – uh, Kevin Johnson, Aaron Colvin, those guys in the secondary. I- I'm interested to see how how it plays out, and I'm I'm not as skeptical of the cornerback group as I was previously. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. My question would be the top two on the depth chart: Jonathan Joseph, noticeably losing a few steps last year, and then Kevin Johnson, who was just brutal last season. So he he's got to bounce back. They signed Kayvon Webster over the weekend, who's coming off a major injury himself. Jonathan Batamosi, who's a special teamer, played well at times at cornerback for the Patriots last year. Wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised to me if those guys play more as the season goes along, and Jonathan Joseph and Kevin Johnson might not play as much. Hmm. Kevin I, Johnson's a little banged up now, too. I mean, I'm interested in that week one matchup. I mean, Texans-Patriots, to me, is a cracker of a first guy because I'm just curious, what is Deshaun Watson going to really be like? Because they haven't really kind of, I think, shown what they're going to do with him in the preseason. Well, and also, I mean, that's a situation where with Deshaun Watson behind an offensive line that concerns me deeply, and that can change a season very quickly for even a guy who looks like a comeback player of the year candidate. I mean, that's not going to happen – it, again, last year they had a bad line, and you couldn't tell with him back there half the time. I mean, he was so able to elude pressure and get rid of the ball, but 
can you really do that for 16 games? This is a bad yeah. line. They've had a lot of injuries. And Will Fuller's been hurt in camp. Just people in and out. I, this is the team I feel like it, maybe it's just not getting covered that much. I feel like I have the least amount of information of what's going on in Houston as any team. But you said that you thought that they had the, like one of the lowest floors and a high ceiling yes. where you couldn't figure out where they would land or you wouldn't be surprised by either. Has that changed at all? No, because if Watt, Clowney, and Watson are all peak at their abilities, then this team can fly, right? I think so Absolutely. too. Absolutely. I've seen too many good teams with a lot of potential just basically blocked from success by offensive line play. Yep. And, yeah, they they feel better about it. They tried to address it. There's definitely different players there. It's Chantrell Henderson and Zach uh, Fulton and Kalamate from the same. So they, All guys they who were backups seven, where they were. Six, five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> now we're just listening to the guys. You guys are nerds. <laughs> Next team. Yeah, we did hear that one. I mean, before, we are uh, nerds. Tampa, we'll see, but, uh, uh, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans and their number one fan, Chris Wessling. Well, yeah, let me try to sell you guys on why the Titans are interesting this year. <laughs> okay. It's always good that you have to sell us on that. But Dan's not yeah. here, by the way, so yeah. we're, we're on board. Nothing's interesting if you know what the outcome is going to be, and that was the Mike Malarkey era. You know they're going to run on first and second down. No team ran more on second down than the Tennessee Titans, which meant that their passing game and running game weren't married because then you go into shotgun on third down and just force Mariota to make bailout plays because you didn't get what you needed on first and second down. Now they bring in Matt LaFleur, who's from the Kubiak, Shanahan, McVay school of outside, outside zone rushing attack married to your play-action passing game. And to me, this is going to be one of the biggest mysteries in the NFL. Can those young receivers develop? Can Mariota bounce back from last year's season? Have they fixed his mechanics, which devolved last year? And now you've got this married passing and running game with LaFleur calling the shots. Is he a guy who's you know, just a little bit below McVay and Shanahan, or has he been riding their coattails for the last mm. couple of years? Mm. We'll see. But to me, this is an interesting – it's a mystery. And, you know, we don't know what the outcome's going to be. It doesn't seem like it would bode well to adjust to a new offense in the same year that you want to fix your mechanics. And, and I think we've kind of seen not a great preseason from Marcus no. uh, right. this time around. So that that would be concerning. I, I mean, my beliefs regarding Mike Vrabel – I kind of expressed previously. You're, you don't I, sound extremely skeptical. high on the whole. Concept. He didn't earn the job. I, I um I don't know. I I I'll wait. You know, we get to see the results. But um, yeah, I I'm not sold that he's going to come in and they're going to try harder and, and be better. He's a little bit like Vance Joseph, which is that he got a coordinator job after the team he coordinated just had a terrible season. <laughs> Because Joseph got it coming off a, a terrible Dolphins year, and Vrabel got it coming off a, a terrible Texans year. But I think they kind of like, you know, they like the cut of this man, Mike Vrabel's T chip. Minus one they like the way he leads a room. You're not buying the that? Cut of his chip? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess he's got moxie, and his boat looks good. <laughs> With the cut of his chip, is that what isn't, that means? <laughs> yeah, but isn't like that's part of being a head coach, though, being 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 able to right having the charisma and the leadership and getting the buy-in from people around you matters when you're a head coach. I think less so than like what's your defensive scheme. I yeah, I we'll I'm see. I'm curious how like Deion Lewis has looked good in the preseason, and to me he can be a huge difference maker on their offense. And they've said in practice that Corey Davis is really taking over as their true number one and is looking amazing, but it hasn't. You know, we haven't seen it. Like it didn't happen in the preseason. He'll so pull I just want to see this it. week. 
I, I look at the roster on offense, and if the young receivers kind of all become what you want, they've got a really interesting offensive roster. Ten, By the nine, way, one thing. Eight, Erica, calling seven, a, Erica is the six, girl version of a nerd. Five, I'm just going to throw four, that out there. I think, that's, I think that's a nerd. Two, a gal nerd. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> I will literally pay you to stop talking. <laughs> I'm up with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who got bad news over the weekend when they lost Marquise Lee, their nominal number one receiver, certainly the highest paid guy uh, in that receiver group, and uh, was definitely going to start on that team. Uh, He's out for the season with a knee injury, uh, and unfortunately, uh, Patrick Claibon is out for the rest of this show with with a news update. Claybon's yeah, leaving. Got to get this two p.m. update in. Oh right. my gosh! All right, we started well, a little late. Thank you for the work that you've done. Hey, I, we appreciate I, I, I it. I love you guys and you guys listening too. We, are, we will pick up the slack on your Broncos entry coming up. I, it is, I was. I'm more worried about you were going to read the final ad read. I really blew it by saving you for the last one. What would you like us to say about the Broncos? Um, they got a quarterback <laughs> finally. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. I don't know if I'm going to be able to muster that enthusiasm uh, for Case Keenum. I definitely can't do it for Blake Bortles. And now that he lost one of his top receivers, it got me thinking about something you said, Wes, over the weekend, which is just, are they going the Rex Grossman route of wasting this Super Bowl window in the Super Bowl caliber defense? This team is is the the best of the Lovey Smith Bears. It it reminds me so much that you get so frustrated and pull your hair out that you want more for them at quarterback than they do. Hmm. That they'll just settle for a guy. And I know that people think that I'm making it up about Blake Mortal's fragile psyche. I don't know if Blake Bortles psyche is tragic but everything the team does and says tells you that it is they design their game plans to hide him they don't go and get competition in the offseason to hide him like why don't why is he so afraid of competition or why do you think he can't take the competition I'd like to often just wipe away preseason quarterback play and say everyone just gets a clean slate but the history of Blake Bortles combined with what we've seen over the last three or four weeks does create a concerning mixture of uh, worries about this team. And I would I would s- like to think that if they do realize how fragile Super Bowl windows are, how quickly they close, that if you really are serious, that maybe the Teddy Bridgewater thing makes some sense. I, I don't know why it would not. Mm. I don't know what it would cost you. But what's the cost of not doing something and turning into the AFC – uh, hangover team where it's hard. It's going to be hard to top what they did last year. They overshot anyone's expectations, and now you have to get basically back to the AFC Championship and win it to top what you did last year. I don't see that as an easy course at all for them. They still have all, a ton of talent on defense. It, and they stayed healthy on defense last year. That's not guaranteed to happen this year. The, the argument for them is that in key spots, they're a young team. I mean, Keelan Cole's probably their number one receiver now, an undrafted guy from a year ago. They're going to have to count on Dante Moncrief to play more. But they're young at receiver with Dede Westbrook. They're expecting Miles Jack, who's now at middle linebacker, to really take a next step. And that's like a crazy fun linebacker duo with him uh, and Telvin Smith. You're thinking Ngakwe can get better. Certainly Jalen Ramsey maybe and, and Bouye have another, or at least Ramsey has another level to go. And it's like, there's a lot of young players Ten. who can just get better. Yeah, but who are you trying to convince? Eight. Like, this is the talk. Seven. This is the problem with talking Six. about the Jaguars because everybody Five. agrees they're loaded Four. with talent. They just Three. have a quarterback problem. Two. One. Ugh. I wish I was listening to the broadcast right now. <laughs> wow, another one. Right? <laughs> 
I mean, one one felt like enough. Uh, Mark, you're up with the Raiders. All right, the Raiders. Well, look, <laughs> I have one negative and one positive. Okay, I, here's my thing with them: is I, I just I think the Khalil Mack situation. It's interesting because in the same state you have the Aaron Donald thing going on with the Rams. But the one thing with the Rams is you feel like there's on both sides communication. There's this desire to get it done. and It's not surprising that it's going to go in right before week one, but it will get done. That's just my feeling, and we'll see if we're right. But with Khalil Mack, there's just been this odd silence. There's no communication. Gruden's not reaching out to him. And it just reminds you of a team that traded for Ryan Switzer, for instance, 121 days ago, and now is trading him again today, that there's just a bit of, a bit of discombobulation between, I, I think, again, the front office and coaching staff. And it may sound like we're beating a dead horse at this point, but that doesn't work in the NFL. That creates, at some point, a forced adjustment to take a step back. And I think if you want to look at the positives for them, I would say that if you I look at their backfield depth with Marshawn Lynch looking the way he does with Doug Martin. We'll see what we get from Doug Martin, but Chris's boy, Chris Warren, you got him as a deep backup. You got Jalen Richard, DeAndre Washington. That's a Gruden type backfield where he can hit people with the run and do what he wants. And then I love Arden Key so far has been really good on tape. And so that's someone that you hit on in this discombobulated front office. Whoever's making this draft picks, I don't know. The Raiders will though be fascinating. I was really annoyed with them a couple months ago. I now find them fascinating and cannot wait to see what happens mm. because there is a high-risk, high-reward situation going on here with Gruden. Love that Monday night uh, final game of week one, Rams-Raiders as the as the late-night Monday night game, which sometimes is a stinker. That's a good one. Yes, but it is. You raised some good points on Khalil Mack. It's just bizarre, the lack of communication in contrast to, say, Odell Beckham and Aaron Donald – and maybe they're just waiting for Aaron Donald's contract to set the market, mm. and then yep. things will fall into place. But it does seem like they're so far off that they're not even talking. And maybe minute. Arden Keys emerges isn't really helping Khalil hmm. Mack. In there. That's, there's a report, you know, from Pro Football Talk that they're not shooting down trade offers, which I don't know what that means exactly, that there's four teams that are significantly interested. The Jets uh, were one of those teams, according to the New York Daily News. I haven't really bought that until this point but now that they're almost putting it out there that like oh well we'd listen it makes you wonder or if you just know that Khalil Mack's simply not going to play for you or that you you're know? not willing to give him the biggest contract defensive contract in history because that's, that's what it's going to yeah, take if Aaron Donald's getting 22 million dollars a year that's more than a lot of entrenched franchise quarterbacks are making the thing is though Mack it, it seems worth it. Like, I don't really get the argument uh, around not paying him. But I d we've been so down on a lot of Ten, things with Gruden. Nine, not only is Arden Key look good, but seven, Maurice Hurst and P.J. Hall. Five, they have three four, rookie defensive linemen three, who have looked good in the preseason. That's something one. to get excited about. Time's up, bozos. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to what would have been Claybon's team. I didn't know we could have been short on time uh, with him. Oh, my oh, gosh, he's, he's back. back! I want it. I want to talk about Case Keenum. This is amazing. Literally, as we're getting to the Broncos, he runs back up here. That was like a WWE-style wow. ultimate warrior jumping into I the ring. To. I heard it. I heard you mention it. We were walking out, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I have tweeted way too much 
that wasn't effusive praise of Case Keenum, and then I watched this preseason, guys. Wow. And then I was touched. Really? <laughs> I was touched with Case. Well, I saw I saw him throw a ball to Cortland Sutton, and Sutton went up and grabbed it. And the one like, of Josh it? Norman? Yeah. This down one the sidelines? That was it. Yeah. I'm sold. That was a pretty play. I was not high enough on Case, but now I am making it. I am making the case for our dude. <laughs> he, he made that same throw to Adam, Adam Thielen over and over yeah. again last year. But it seemed like the circumstances, I wasn't ready, but, guys, I am ready now. <laughs> this I seems are you, do you have like a Broncos history? I'm loving like this. this is, no, but this it seems like you're looking seated. for a new team. I know his history. I'm just out of breath. <laughs> no, you're just out of breath. You're done talking. No. Uh, there got to be more fun to watch, though, with Case and Cortland Sutton Have and these yeah. rookies. Philip yeah. Lindsay, my guy, undrafted free agent. He's going to make this backfield. You like Royce Freeman? Royce Freeman? Uh, Cortland Sutton, Bradley Chubb, they Josie Jewell. They added Pac-Man to the mix, which I honestly think is a great signing because this team was as thin at cornerback, even though they have those two at the top, as any team in the league. And Pac-Man Jones has basically never not been a solid player. Whether whether he's a knucklehead or not, he's always good. He's ageless. More Pac-Man Jones than I expected to talk. I think <laughs> Brad, Bradley Chubb has looked really good. I mean, it's like, again – these teams, it's an obvious pick, but they picked him, and he's going to be great for them. And him and Von Miller together are its one of the scariest two-man pass rushing combos you could imagine. Wouldn't want to be playing against that. Emmanuel Sanders looked rejuvenated, too. He hmm. he had a disappointing last year fighting through injuries, but he looked like 2015 Emmanuel Sanders in the last game. There's, it's always kind of overlooked like when you're going into a season, like veteran players that can just play better. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. He can play better. Von Miller, now he maybe can't play that much better. He's pretty basically been at that level. But maybe he can get back even to the, the slightly higher defensive player of the year level that he was at the year before. T minus and it one felt minute. like like kind of dumping out of Aqib Tlaib and not getting that crazy that much in response. Now I know Tlaib's a little bit older, but bringing in Pac-Man mm. makes you feel better about that in hindsight, that they're able to get somebody who can contribute and I can just add more Pac-Man Jones discussion to this podcast in 2018. There you go. I mean, and then one other thing on, uh, like, to your Keenan point, like, the turnovers from the quarterbacks last year killed this defense and where they happen on the field. And it's like, if Keenan does not need to be as statistically perfect as he was last year, he simply won't be. But if he doesn't turn the ball over, they're a different type of team. I still don't view the Broncos as a typically scary um, entry in, in a weird AFC. I like this division, though. I'm signing up. I would watch all these division games all year. I think year. they're interesting I'm, this I'm, year. I'm intrigued. Are the you, Broncos you, really intrigue me, but this is another team where the offensive line could ruin everything. Mm. Are you uh, – did you get your breath back, Clayvon? I'm, I'm back. Like, oh, you, okay. were you literally Nine, running up the stairs eight, and through the building? I sprinted up the stairs past – because there's always those waves five, of people that you have oh, yeah. no idea even work here. Three, it's like, oh, excuse two, me. Yeah, I'm a sweaty guy. One. <laughs> Enough already. Next one. I, want, I got a question for you guys before we get to the next division. Okay. Have you ever made pastrami at home? No. Never. Never. Nor How about will I. smoked salmon? Yes. Negative. No. Slab bacon? I mean, I bought it. You get a nice duck confit? Love duck. Been down that topic before. <laughs> Underrated. It's easy to make all that and more right at home with Jewel Sous Vide. Jewel makes it easy to try cooking new recipes and cuts of meat at home because there's zero guesswork and food is never, never overcooked or undercooked. Jewel heats food to the exact right temperature and holds it there. Beef, poultry, pork, seafood, veggies, desserts, much ice cream at a certain temperature. We got that for you. Everything comes out exactly the way you like it. It makes a great companion to your grill or smoker. It separates the cooking step from the finishing step so meats come out perfectly tender and juicy on the inside and get that charred 
crispy bark on the outside, and it's easy to prepare. New recipes for a crowd. If it fits in a large cooler, then you can cook it with Juul. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash Juul and use code AROUND to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash Juul, code AROUND. Juul, mm. perfect food. It only costs time. $16, so $15 off is a steal. That's a professional ad read right there. Nicely done. That's for sure. Let's go to Love the brands. Los, <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers and Chris Wesley. We were talking about how much you, Greg, want to watch this division last year because so much is is up in the air. What's going on here is the Chargers have caught the entire division in a rebuild. Mm. The Broncos are rebuilding from their last quarterbacks. The Chiefs turned it over to Patrick Mahomes and have, as Greg said in his latest column, maybe the least impressive unit in the league, the Chiefs defense this year. We'll talk about Steel and Thunder that they're oh. coming up next. Well, we'll have plenty of time to go to that. <laughs> and the Raiders, who knows what John Gruden's going to be. It's time for the Chargers to, squit, to quit squandering opportunities and using injuries as a convenient scapegoat. When you are blowing games with poor special teams, this team was among the top ten offenses and defenses, and they were 31st in special teams. When you are, along with the Steelers, the worst tackling team in the NFL, that the middle of your defense between Bosa and Ingram mm. is a freeway. Just broken tackles all along. So if you got three rookies, you might start on defense. Uchenna Nwasu, Kaiser White, Kevin White's brother, and Derwin James. This team could add a lot more speed. You've also got Justin Jones, another rookie on the defensive line. I want to see them tackle better and make field goals and do special teams because these are all things which coaching should help. Derwin James is my defensive rookie of the year pick. Like it. And J.J. Jones is going to help their special teams a lot. That dude is fun. Hmm. And I, I was, I would, I don't know if I was totally sold, but when I found out that Kazir White is Kevin White's brother, <laughs> now I'm in. I didn't know. Fourth round pick, and it looks like he's going to start. They really like him, so that's that's huge. On on paper, it's a dominant defense. Like my question with them is like, can Gus Bradley? I don't know. I there, I almost am having just a hard time imagining like a top three Los Angeles Chargers defense. But I, I it seems like it it can happen. They've got the players for it. And there's some injury concern with Bosa, but Anthony Lynn did say over the weekend if it was a regular season game, Bosa would have played. They just weren't going to waste him in a preseason game. So, I, look, there, things could go wrong, but why not? Yeah, it, pretty it, it, soon Bosa's going to want to break the bank. Phillip Rivers is going to be old, and you missed your window. He is old. He hasn't really shown it. But he's still, it. like, he's throwing from different platforms. He's, he's evading pressure. Like, he's looked good in the preseason. Yeah, he, he hasn't shown it. Uh, yeah, but he's the same age as you know Roethlisberger and Eli, and to me, he's the number one story on the board. If you're just rooting for an NFL story uh, of just like someone I'd like to see in the Super Bowl, Philip Rivers is like my number one. Pick. And then at the same time, and it's unrelated to the roster, which is better than any other in the division, is the environment they play in, which is a stadium that's going to be all season long half filled with the opposing fan base, and it's hard to imagine them you know hosting an nine, AFC championship eight, game in a stadium <laughs> half filled six, with the other team's five, fans four, or it would be three, great and crazy two, one weird please please stop just stop <laughs> uh, we will after this final team the Kansas City Chiefs and Chris kind of said it for me that the most concerning unit on either side of the ball that I saw in all of the preseason was the Kansas City Chiefs defense, which was 
quite bad last year, made a lot of changes, and then in all three weeks when the Chiefs' starting defense was out there, got run over. It really didn't matter who they were going against, whether it was Chase Daniel going for three straight touchdowns. I mean, when the Bears' backups are going for three straight touchdowns on you, maybe I shouldn't overreact to the preseason, but it's not like the personnel really makes you feel any better. The secondary without Eric Berry, and right now they are without Eric Berry. He hasn't practiced in two weeks. He's coming off a torn Achilles tendon, and his heel, which is the same area, is hurt again is one of the weakest secondaries in the league. And then you're going to need a really strong front seven to make up for it. I, I don't know if they have that. And it's just asking a lot of Patrick Mahomes to try to win 33-30 to 30 every week. And that, that might be what it takes. It's almost like if they had an all-pro cornerback on the team, they should have kept him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I that one's a hard one to figure. I guess they just didn't want to pay him or something. They didn't want to commit to him. Eventually, but they didn't have to pay him. That was the part I didn't get. He was he was under contract. Maybe, you know, this year you could have tagged him next Might year. Might have been the personality. I mean, sure. they seemed to tire of him. I, do, I am encouraged by Patrick Mahomes, right? He was one of these quarterbacks that amid this sea of rookie quarterbacks, it's almost easy to forget about Mahomes and Trubisky and these guys that are, yeah. you know, in year two. And, and Mahomes in that last game, I mean, you feel like he can he can be the engine behind an exciting offense, and if they aren't, then that team could free fall because they are going to have to score. They're going to have to use Tyreek Hill, and they're going to have to use Kelsey and score probably 27 points a game, if not more, to get above 500. Well, here's the thing. Tyreek Hill said after this game, like, he thinks they can be the number one offense in the league, and I thought, I mean, that's not that crazy either. They might have no, to be. But, right, but yeah. you will need to <laughs> right, be but also, maybe, That's right. what I mean when I'm saying they're going to have to win 30 to 27. Yeah. Maybe they can. I mean, maybe it's not too crazy to think that they're a top two or three offense. When the season is grinding you down, Mark, in December. Try October. In October. Just thank God that your job does not involve trying to cover Tyreek Hill. That's got to be one of the toughest jobs in sports. Yeah, I would not not want that at all. I would love to see that. You played a little cornerback, didn't you? I mean, I couldn't. It was simply like this person's like height and weight combination don't fit anywhere. But we have like eighteen people <laughs> the playing cornerbacks. What would your strategy be with Tyreek Hill? You try to get him up in the line, try to back off. A I'd little start bit? like fifty yards deep, and then like, <laughs> here's the problem though. They then, call for help. The Cowboys. There's no strategy. <laughs> the Cowboys tried that. That didn't. Wasn't yeah, that him? No that's strategy. End of the half. Yeah. That didn't work. I I mean, they, even their their depth is good. Like Demarcus Robinson, I like Chris Conley. Like they they've got just people falling out of the wordwork. Their backup tight ends are kind of fun. Usually, like they they can. I love Andy Reid. Get put Andy Reid in the Hall of Fame someday. <laughs> and uh, way off topic. It gives, he gets him a chance to try something different with somebody new at quarterback. But you know, he's, if we're watching Orlando Scandrick get dusted by Ten, Kevin White for nine, his first touchdown. Eight, it's like maybe he's not a quote-unquote problem six, in the locker room five, like Marcus Peters was, four, but, but yeah. he's, he's three, getting dusted for touchdowns. Two, so that one. sucks too. Stop. Did I stutter? <laughs> you did not. Uh, and you got you, your wish, bro. You did a great job, Emma VP. Thank you. And uh, Tamposi, who's not here, but it, it felt like she was here. It did. Uh, I wonder why. Uh, on those sound drops. <laughs> and guess what? They'll be back. You can, you know, leave them in the system yeah. or, or create some new ones for later in the week. We're going to do around the NFC. We're going to look ahead, uh, of course, to the uh, 2018 season. We have shows Wednesday and Friday before we uh, head overseas. And I think uh, that's it. We got through all of our ad reads and all 16 teams. And uh, for your final thoughts, I leave it to Chris Wessling. See you on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to totally put one of you on the spot. All right. For Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, 
and Patrick Clavon. Dan Hansis will be back next time. MVP behind the glass. See you Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.